News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Leo Vracker, good morning. Morning. Uh, lots to talk about, but can we start with the uh, the passing <coughs> of the uh, British Queen Elizabeth II? Uh, your reaction to that news and and her legacy, as far as you're concerned, particularly from an Irish perspective? Yeah, well, of course. Um, obviously, want to express my deepest condolences to uh, the royal family um, and also to. Uh, the people of all of the realms over which she reigned. Um, let's not forget it's not just Britain, it's Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Jamaica, Papua New Guinea, I think 14 countries uh, over which she was queen. Um, and they're all mourning today. Uh, it is the end of an era, um, the end of a pretty extraordinary life. Um, and if I was to sum up in one word uh, her life, I think it was a life of duty. Uh, someone who became queen when her father died at a very young age of 25. Um, and uh, uh, even uh, up until the last few days was receiving her latest Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and that's just an extraordinary level of uh, duty and dedication. Mm. Um, There must be a great personal toll uh, on somebody to hold that role, born into it, no way out of it, Um, and you have to do it and have to do it well, and I think she did her job extraordinarily well in that regard. And, of course, part of her job was the state visit here in 2011, um, which marked the high point in many ways of British-Irish relations. And I remember that was part of that visit, met her, bref- met her briefly, as, briefly as part of it, um, and it went so well, and uh, she fulfilled her role perfectly, I think. Mm. Has that legacy been squandered uh, since then, do you think? Well, uh, you know, Irish-British relations are not at the high point at the moment, and that's largely because of... Um, Brexit and how Brexit has been handled by the British government since then, um, but I can't imagine that anyone would uh, ascribe any blame to, to the Queen. Oh no, that. sorry, I wasn't suggesting that, mm. but I was wondering have have Her Majesty's ministers and governments squandered that legacy? I, I wouldn't frame it in that way, um, but I do think that Brexit uh, and everything that's fallen out of Brexit um, and the British government's um, approach to Northern Ireland, which is much more partisan. Uh, has damaged those relations. But there is an opportunity now. There's a new Prime Minister in London um, and an opportunity, as the Taoiseach said, for a reset and um, us trying over the next year or so to get those relations into a better place. OK, we're here in, in Kilkenny in the Ormond Hotel where you're having your the Fine Gael uh, think-in. Uh, what can we expect in the coming weeks, particularly in the budget, to soften the book because I think a lot of people are very worried uh, this way and, and really understandably worried about the cost of living crisis what comfort can you offer them this morning so I, I was knocking on doors in, in Carlow Town last night and it won't surprise you that the number one issue that came up was the cost of living um, people very worried about their bills um, but particularly worried about where they're going to go you know how high they're going to go and how long this might go on for uh, and they want to know that government's going to help um, and I can give them the, them the reassurance that government is going to help um, we're here to help we're here to make sure that we uh, can soften the blow significantly uh, of the rising cost of living and that's what this meeting in, in, in Kilkenny is all about a meeting with our TD centres and uh, MEPs today the councillors tomorrow and essentially we'll be setting out what Fine Gael's negotiating mandate is going into the government or going into the budget talks. And really it's going to be all about um, 
putting money back in people's pockets and reducing the cost of living. And it has to have three elements, in my view. Um, first of all, uh, help with energy bills for households and also for businesses, because we don't want jobs to be lost because of um, high energy bills. Um, secondly, uh, an income tax package so that you uh, keep more of what you earn. And if you get a pay rise this year, that you don't lose half of it in tax. And third, targeted help for the most vulnerable, for pensioners, for carers, for the disabled, uh, for families, uh, people who are going to be hardest hit uh, by these rising bills. Um, but also, uh, and finally, we do want to make sure there's a long-term approach. You know, I'm a doctor by profession. Uh, I know that if you're treating an illness, um, uh, and in many ways, inflation is a disease, an economic disease, uh, you have to treat the symptoms, you have to ease the pain, ease the burden, but you also need to deal with the underlying causes. And that means uh, dealing with some of the costs in Irish society, which are structurally high and were high long before uh, this inflation crisis, like childcare, like the cost of putting a kid through college, for example, um, reform of the energy market. Um, we need more investment in renewables, in battery storage, in energy efficiency and interconnection, because uh, that will give us energy security and price stability into the future. And need at the EU level to reform the way the energy market works so that we're not always paying for the highest price of gas, which is what we're doing at the moment. Um, those windfall profits should never arise, um, but they rise because of the way the market is structured. Uh, and then also other things like uh, competition law, company law, um, consumer law, making sure that uh, some businesses can't take advantage of a scenario like this. Okay, um, let's drill down into some of those a little bit. You mentioned childcare and, and the cost of putting kids through college without going into detail. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know you're not going to reveal exactly what's in the budget. Does that suggest we can expect announcements in the budget on both those things? Well, it's certainly what Fine Gael would, would be pressing for. Um, Long before the current inflation crisis, uh, childcare in Ireland largely follows the Anglo-American model, like Britain and America, where it's very expensive. Uh, For some families, it's as much as the rent or the mortgage every month, Um, even more sometimes. Uh, That's not the European norm. Uh, We are a European country. Uh, Through subsidies, we can bring down uh, the cost of childcare for all families, um, middle-class families, working families. uh, And um, I think that can make a big difference in household bills. And it also makes economic sense because it means more people can uh, participate in the labour market, more parents can. Uh, and that's uh, beneficial for the economy and society in the round. Um, Third it, level fees? Can we can we expect a reduction? I, 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 I should say one one thing that will now help to make that possible is the agreement that we now have with childcare professionals to increase their pay, and they now have a pay deal. It's about a twenty percent pay increase in some cases. Um, so that means that's done and we'll make yeah. sure that therefore that any subsidies now that go in next year uh, go into reducing fees uh, and that, that was crucial to have that okay. done first. Third level fees, can we expect something there? Uh, we're looking at that. Again, I can't make any promises at this stage, but again, something that is different to other European countries. Again, we follow the kind of British American model where it's quite expensive to go to college um, and you pay college fees. Um, we would like to see a reduction in the student contribution and we'd also like to see improvements in the grant. And we'd, we've done some of that already. Okay. Um, you know, the reforms already this year to increase the grant, uh, to make it available to more families, um, to improve what's called the adjacency payment, depending on how far you live from college. Um, but we don't think it's enough. And Minister Harris is putting together a package that we think um, will be significant and would help uh, families with the um, with the cost of college. And, and bear in mind, you know, one of the really good things that's happening in the country at the moment, and a really good thing for young people, is that more people go to higher and further education than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's expensive, and uh, and we don't want to see that falling backwards. Okay, we know the budget package is going to be six point seven billion, but there's also going to be a package of one-off measures. Mm-hmm. Now, it started off as around a billion, then it was at two billion. 
there's some reports yesterday suggesting it will be €3 billion. Euros. Can mm. you shed any light on that? It seems to be going up all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not decided yet. Um, so the surplus this year will probably be in the range of four to £5 billion. And we have to decide how much of that we'll deploy uh, this year. And then obviously there'll be additional measures next year because uh, this crisis will go on as next year, unfortunately. Um, it is a good thing we have a surplus, by the way. Most countries don't. Yeah. Um, didn't happen by accident. It's because of our businesses, our workers. Um, and it's also because the government has pursued pro-enterprise, pro-trade, pro-investment policies. You know, So we shouldn't ever take that for granted and um, we should never risk killing the goose that lays the golden egg when it yeah. comes to these matters um but would thing, you would you personally prefer a good chunk of that surplus to go on on one-off measures this year yeah i'd certainly like to see the majority of the surplus uh, being used to help people with inflation and with their bills um this year i think that's appropriate uh, this is a very different crisis to covid but there are parallels um it yeah. is comparable in some ways in terms of the level of fear and anxiety uh, that it's causing uh, and also the uncertainty uh, about it um, and we need to do things that reassure people that they can have confidence that their living standards won't fall and that they can c- continue to spend continue to invest um, actually helping people with their bills now I think will help us to stave off okay. a, a recession in the future but there's one thing I do want to say and I think this is important you know I've been involved in leading the country through the pandemic, through the Brexit crisis, when we avoided the, the no deal and, and the hard border, um, started off with the Troika, austerity, mass emigration, unemployment, um, mortgage arrears, all of those things. And one of the things I've learned in those 10 years in government is that when you're dealing with a crisis, you need a dynamic response because facts change and you need to be able to change what you do in response to that. You need to communicate all the time, explain to people what's going on. And you also need to leave something in the tank because you never really know how long it'll go on for. And, you know, I heard the opposition over the summer saying we needed a big mini budget. If we'd done that, we'd have less money now to help people going into the winter. Okay. And what you're going to hear from them when the budget is delivered uh, is it's not enough and we should have spent all the money now. That's a mistake. It okay. actually makes sense to keep some money in the tank so that if we need to intervene again in the spring, we're able to do so. Uh, because the last thing we need is to you know, run down the surplus to nothing yeah. and then have to go to the bond markets okay. in the spring looking to borrow money. And, you know, who knows what interest rates will look like then? Yeah. North of 2 billion, maybe north of 3 billion even? You know, the fig- figure isn't agreed. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, the most important thing, I believe, is not a competition about how much you spend. It's about making sure that the response is, is adequate, uh, that it, yeah. um, you know, it takes the top off people's very high energy bills uh, and gives people more money in their pocket. We had Pierce Doherty on the show yesterday. He was calling for a cap on electricity uh, prices mm. at, at uh, pre-crisis levels. Is that, like, is that something you would consider? He put uh, 1.8 billion, I think, was the, mm. he said the cost at. Yeah, it, it's certainly something we're not ruling out. Um, you know, we have to have regard to what's being done in the UK. We have to have regard to what's happening uh, at European level. Um, What they're doing in the UK is a price cap, um, but essentially you're going to have to pay for it uh, because it's being financed through borrowing and therefore will be paid for through higher taxes. So the bill moves from your electricity bill to your tax bill. Um, The European proposal is is, is different. Um, It is about taking the excess profits that some of the energy companies are making and redistributing them. Uh, to customers to bring down the bills. Okay. Um, so y- y- you can you can go with either approach. Um, uh, Sinn Féin's going with the UK approach. We would probably go with the European approach, but I certainly wouldn't rule rule anything out. Okay. Um, are you confident the lights won't go out this winter? Um, yes, I am. Um, nobody in government wants to rule out the possibility of blackouts. Um, nobody wants that 
you know comical alley moment where you say there's nothing wrong and the tanks are the tanks are behind you crisis so, what crisis um, yeah so you know and that's that's i think a fear that a lot of people have but i do want to give people reassurance um we've had a number of amber alerts uh, what does that mean it means we did have enough electricity but not the headroom that we'd like to have if something suddenly went wrong like a power plant went down um in the unlikely event that we end up with a red alert the first thing that happens is the large energy users are required to power down so the chances of blackouts or rolling blackouts being extended to households small businesses farms schools hospitals um that is very 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 low okay. nobody wants to say it's not going to happen um but you know talking to people in the last couple of days there are some people who almost feel that rolling blackouts are in, are inevitable they're actually no more likely than they were last winter okay and i do want to reassure people about that and i also want to reassure people that we're doing everything we can uh, to get more generation capacity on board um probably won't be in place for the winter but the kit is arriving in the next few weeks and then it needs to be obviously put in place and then powered up and energized final question you are going to be returning to the office of Antishuk in 97 uh, days and obviously that will involve a, a, a cabinet a reshuffle of sorts is there an argument for Pascal Donoghue staying on as finance minister? It had been thought that he and Michael McGrath would change roles, but if uh, Pascal Donoghue stays on as finance minister, it will allow him uh, presumably to remain on as chair of the Eurogroup of finance ministers, which is a hugely influential role. Is there an argument for him staying in that role and, uh, by extension, Michael McGrath staying as minister for public expenditure? You know, I should say at the outset, I haven't had this conversation yet with the Taoiseach or with um, the leader of the Green Party. So, you know, I need to have that conversation with them uh, and not do it over the airwaves. Um, but I, am, I will be just stating a fact and saying that the presidency of the Eurogroup is probably the most important position that any Irish man or woman holds at the moment in the world. Um, Pascal Donoghue chairs the meeting of Euros, Eurozone finance ministers. He engages with the ECB around issues like interest rate policy, engages with the Commission around fiscal policy, how much we're allowed to spend, for example, as a government. Um, he attends G7 meetings, meets with Janet Yellen, for example, and he's used that role to influence global decisions, You know, making sure that deal on corporate tax that we did at, at an international level protected our interests. Um, being able to talk to the ECB about interest rate policy, for example. It would be so, a shame to lose that role, you're I, saying. I, I, I don't think there's a country in Europe that wouldn't like to get that role from us if they could. Okay. You haven't spoken to the Taoiseach about it yet. Do you intend to speak to him about it? I, I, I will in due course, but, you, you know, we're three three months away from the changeover from the new government being formed. Um, a lot can happen between now and then. Um, Michal Martin is the Taoiseach. Uh, he's doing a great job. I fully support him. And my focus for now is on my job as Minister for Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Um, we have 2.5 million people at work in Ireland, more so than ever before. We have record investment, including here in Kilkenny, um, record trade levels and higher incomes and better workers' rights than ever was the case before. Um, I've had some role in, in making that happen. And that's my focus now is to okay. make sure that this energy crisis now doesn't undermine what's been achieved. Thomas Daly of Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. Thank you. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.